Hello, welcome to another episode of Tooth and Nail. Uh, so, over the last few weeks, we've been working on some audio uh, problems. We've been trying to set up a new recording area that's a lot more comfortable and efficient and cool for Travis and I. Um, as you may have noticed in the last couple episodes, those were all done in the same recording session uh, when we were like just scrabbling real hard to try and get something worked out. That didn't work out. Uh, we were like, we'll get it, we'll figure it out by next time. And then due to some extenuating circumstances, uh, what with our guest star <laughs> revolving around a certain uh, voice chat program that we don't often use that will remain nameless, we still ended up having some weird recording issues. So Travis's audio uh, is going to be a little bit weird. I cut around it as best I could. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of context and forewarning. So enjoy the episode because I enjoyed making it. Goodbye. Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast, where uh, today we have a super-de-duper special guest. We have Gary Butterfield from the Duckfeed Network, uh, from Watch Out for Fireballs, Monster of My Podcast, um, <laughs> everything to Guffy. I could yes. list the, like, 200 million shows you have on Duckfeed, but that would take uh, the rest of the show. That would take a very long time. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of shows. Have you considered making a podcast about all of your podcasts? I think uh, they did once at one Oh, time. shit. <laughs> we definitely, yeah, we, we get, get, almost have one of those a month. So, it's, Damn uh, it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very meta. We're very through the looking glass. Absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're taking podcasting to strange new places. Mm -hmm. Strange is a word for it. Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I love your work. Um, thanks, for, thanks for coming on, coming on down to the monster corner. Oh, no, no, I, I love monsters. Uh, yeah. So this is an easy corner to get me into. Everyone puts Gary in the corner when it's this corner. So. That's good, because we saved the best for you. Mm, absolutely. The best ape ready for you. Do, do you think, like, this guy is definitely not the best demon in this book, but do you think there's any chance he's even the best ape? Uh, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, he, I, I, just, I sincerely hope so. Yeah, he, he might be, like, the best ape. I, I feel like there's a chance. I, it's, uh, a, it's an ape with magic. It's a very magical ape. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a magical ape with some crazy ideas uh, <laughs> who uh, changed a, the world. A song in his heart. Yeah. I mean, like, what are the numbers on number of apes in the book, right? He's got to have a good chance. Yeah, statistically. Yeah, a 15% chance to be the best ape. Absolutely. Uh, but yes, that is that is right. We're talking about the Balagara, the incredibly difficult, hard to say, demon gorilla. Mm -hmm. Yes, I kept calling him the Balagarala just because I could not care. I was so. There's got to be an etymological something, right? There's got to be uh, there's got to be some some history behind it that is buried away in Gary Gygax's notebook somewhere. Or, or like this is an a uh, uh, demon's name. You know, there's some some yeah, demon from mythology yeah, in that's the, called this. in like the Old Testament or something. Yeah, that that kind of thing happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is a very a very big strong ape demon. Uh, hangs out in the abyss. It's it's basically like the Magic King Kong, Arcane Kong. Ar uh, <laughs> it it's got a series of spells. It's very standard early level illusion magic kind of stuff. The disguise self and the invisibility. Honestly, like, there's not too much for this guy, so... Uh, yeah, th this I, beyond fun stretch. Beyond a couple of fun little gimmicks and uh, some some good theming stuff that is... That ought to be bare minimum stuff for, for monster design in D&D, but is often not, I think... Uh, I think it's a good boy. Mm -hmm. a good, quick, dangerous, apey, magical encounter. He's, he's like an, an ape orc or like a demon orc almost. It feels like, like a high level uh, because they, you know, they made him, you know, something that it, we, you know, we do a show that has done monsters manuals. And one of the things that we quickly realized is, is a perpetual bummer is low intelligence mm. um, from a monster just because it's like, well, you know, this can just be like a, a big beast, but then you don't get, you don't get schemes, you know, yeah, and, and exactly. Gotta, gotta have those schemes. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's very, it's, 
it's very unfortunate that they decided to load up this ape with all sorts of fun, crafty, magical bastard spells. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just doesn't have the... It ain't got the smarts to do it. If an idiot could turn invisible, or if, like, just, like, you know, the, one of the dumbest people you know, like, in, in real life, right? Like, the dumbest person I know in real life probably has seven intelligence. I probably don't know <laughs> anyone dumber than seven. Um, yeah. And they could make themselves invisible or disguise themselves. I can't think of any fun, like, they would come up to me disguised as me and just, like, think it would work or something like that. <laughs> you know, there'd be a lot of that. Or just, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, or just, you know, they would be somebody I know, but they, they'd have two noses or something. Like, they would just fuck it up. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I th so that's what I think of this guy as, like, disguised stealth powers. Yeah, I did just realize that he is large sized, so disguise self cannot make you medium. No, no, so no. if he just disguised itself as like one of your party members, friend. it'd be just a big hulking your yeah. friend. It's me, which is friend. appropriate, you know. It is the the D and D equivalent of coming up to you with two noses. <laughs> I guess so. Just, yeah. Uh... I, I that's actually so you know I, I don't know the the order necessarily of this podcast, so I apologize if I'm jumping around, right? But like. One of the things I like about looking at monsters is thinking of those hooks and like that, that's a pretty good hook. Like one of your one of your friends comes back or you know, goes out <laughs> in the woods to take a leak or what have you. And then like the ranger comes back, but he's huge. It yeah. just acts like nothing is different. <laughs> like sticks one leg in the sleeping bag and lays down like I, I just I think that's pretty funny. Like that's a pretty is good it? hook. It's weird. Speaking only in abyssal at you. Just yeah. like nothing is wrong. Yeah, that's or a great way to. Uh, that would be a great way to cover for like a missing person. Like if <laughs> if somebody got called into work that night, I think that would be a fun like. Yeah, yeah. throw that in. Yeah, and then if if you're complaining, they're like, "What are you complaining about? I'm bigger now. Like it's it's there's more of me. It's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I can range so well now that I'm yeah. this size. <laughs> Have you seen my range? The, um... <laughs> I also imagine since they only speak the demon tongue, but they have uh, telepathy, is that when they're disguised as something, they just move their mouth, like, open and close it really fast, but then <laughs> they the words into your head, like a PS2 game. Yeah, you know? exactly, but they but they can't quite get it, so it's like a bad, like a bad dub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of fun. I'm glad that they threw the spells on it, perhaps exactly for this like re like you know throwing magic onto something that isn't quite equipped to use it well and just to have something because otherwise yeah you know, just otherwise it would just be a ape it would yeah. just be a big monkey they could not justify the fiend part yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh without any further ado let's uh jump onto the body of this boy Yeah, section number the first. Mm -hmm. Artistic representation. Absolutely. So in terms of the artistic representation that we see, yeah, it's a big ape. Yeah, it's yeah. A big... <laughs> book says, you know, book says orangutan. I honestly just looks like a big swole monkey, like a big swole ape, like a big... It, it looks like somebody who had only seen, like, the newer Planet of the Apes movies was told to draw an orangutan. Mm. Yeah, he was like, "Is that the big one?" <laughs> He's got this. Uh, I didn't know this until um, looking into it for the show. But this is um, an old D and D monster, and yeah. in the first appearance, it did look like an orangutan. Like, yeah, yeah and it's also weak. Like, it has my physique in the first appearance. <laughs> like, it just looks like me, but with a lot more, you know, body hair. Uh, and they decided to make it look like a strong ape instead of an orangutan. Which yeah, is really yeah. they just went buff with it. Yeah. yeah, and we try to do a little bit of the digging into previous uh, artistic representations of the monsters. And this is something that we find to be largely true and is a common complaint we have on the show, is that most of these monsters have been, like, badassified mm. in kind of a not necessarily generic, but kind of often disappointing way. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of, it, it, a lot of the badassifying makes everything feel really, like, by the numbers. Mm -hmm. uh and this if somebody was like there's a demon that's a big cool ape like this feels really just like uh by the numbers it's a big strong ape yeah it's uh. yeah it's not as bad as it could be yeah it's just like there's we usually you know we have uh in the past talked about other monsters as being wonderful in that like literal denotative version of wonder where you know it would look 
proper in a 80s choose your own adventure novel it would look right in a dark souls yeah yeah the barlgura is not as <laughs> stone-faced look it's not as grim looking like it's still bright orange yeah yeah i think yeah. there is kind of a a prettiness like a silliness to it that i do appreciate but in terms of its like silhouette it's just a big ape yeah or a hulk or something it's got a little pathfinder stink on it you know, yeah. just kind of the when they start doing those kind of monster designs, like it's not as exaggerated, you know, as that specific art style. But there was kind of um, I feel like, you know, and, and I, I say this, you know, I disclose this for listeners. So I don't uh, nobody calls me a fraud is that I you <laughs> know I haven't played. Uh, I played very little 5e. Like I just like monster manuals and I played a lot of other D&D. Um, but I played very little 5e. But so I don't know how representative this is of the art style in general, but it felt like around when 3.5 and Pathfinder came out, there was a like narrowing of aesthetics for, yes. for not just for monsters, but kind of just in general in D and D and a lot of the really wild stuff there. It's still there, but there's less of it. It's, you know? Yeah. It's like the life field effect in comics, how everything in the nineties kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, progressed yeah. to buff dudes with a lot of guns. Totally. Now we just get, we just get like a lot of angry teeth bearing Hulk creatures with like muscles that you can see ripple and that's yeah. about like the extent of yeah. yeah we we do occasionally there have been a couple monsters we talked about where the, the second and third edition arts were like our favorites if only because they were way goofier or like goofy in that 90s early 2000s edgy movie aesthetic way oh, sure yeah yeah we kind of get uh, i i dig into that a little bit yeah when they like almost play up the aesthetic it it can be a lot more fun so when we talked about cambians which just look like alt <laughs> warriors like warriors of the alt generation uh there's some fun to be had there but on the whole i'd rather you know i'd rather have a big weird dark souls monster like a big weird chaos eater or a big weird something like that yeah especially have... for a demon yeah exactly you know yeah like a, a demon that's like another world kind of thing like you really want to go out there with a demon you know i want some hellraiser shit like yeah you know and the book leaves it wide open for all sorts of like weird hellraiser shit like yeah, yeah. it is it is strange to me that in the infinite rings of the abyss the craziest thing that the multiverse could spit out at us was an orange Ape. yeah all the way down as i found out in like the 90th layer <laughs> the 90th layer is just full of apes and dinosaurs apparently yeah. and that's it <laughs> it happened next time with the savage land it has to happen to D &D. Yeah. it has to happen to the hells as well so yeah it's like uh it's like a futurama episode it's this is the universe where everything's the same except the apes are orange <laughs> And a little more mad. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, for me, it is the color job that kind of saves it for me. If it didn't look like a candy, it would just look like another big angry monster. Um, and as you would expect, it's got the muscles. It's got the bare teeth. This one has a little bit of, like, awful dripping off of it, which is a yeah. cute detail. I like how there's some guts leaking out that monkey. And some cool bracelets. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other interesting thing. Uh, it's got a pair of bangles, which... Almost feels like, I, looking through the other demons, it looks like a common artistic cue. Mm. Uh, if that thing dangling from the mouth is the thing you were talking about, that's actually a lip ring with a oh, chain hanging off of it. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I read it as an intestine. Nope, it's it's just got two lip rings with a chain dangling from them. Yeah. <laughs> so we got another alt warrior, I guess. <laughs> He's doing, they do, they were like, we've got this big mad ape. He's a demon though, so lip ring? Yeah. Eh? Bracers? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like Fallout 1 Super Mutants, where they have like a <laughs> yeah. clamp that just like clamps their ear, you know, or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Wherever they can stick the metal, that's where it goes. Oh, somebody had to pierce that lip. Like <laughs> the, the, the ninth layer of hell, uh, Claire's that's down there <laughs> to get it pierced. That's horrifying. Honestly, that would be another good hook is just open up like a tattoo parlor in the abyss. That'd be oh, pretty fun. yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to be tattooing these demons. The um the, the next point that you have has my one of my favorite um details. Like the other thing I thought of for adventure hooks uh, that I like is that they keep trophies. Um, yeah. Which. Yeah. You, that is. Yeah. That is kind of the the thing that we get. There's. Yeah. You, you, you say it's your good, your favorite adventure or the other good adventure hook. That is literally true. It, that it is, is the, the other, other thing <laughs> that you get. Yeah. I don't know Fargo. if you actually like took a look into the monster manual for the, the lore page. It's oh, yeah. Two yeah. sentences. Yeah. It's a, a little paragraph. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the, the nice thing, so like to me, the implication with um, trophies is that they have like a home, you know, because you have to keep yeah. trophies somewhere. And hmm. that is a cool, like, I, I reckon like all of the things I've thought about that would be cool to do with this monster involve it not conforming to its essential nature. You know, like <laughs> the, the, the plan with it becoming back as Big Ranger is something it wouldn't do because it's dumb and because it's not scheming you know exactly yeah um but it would be cool if there was an outlier and it would be cool if coming across this thing's layer i think could possibly be neat um because like what what it considers to be a trophy what you know you can you could do some alien motivations with that um, yeah i think you're right i think that is and it is kind of a shame that that is what we have to resort to is working with the outlier as yeah. opposed to the what, what the if rule? one of these things got disconnected what if one of these things you know was an aberration things like that yeah so but there's like a rich history of that kind of stuff right like there's like the you know the orc that is the scheming and in dragon age you get with the um the member of the the horde or whatever that's intelligent and can talk things yeah. like that like you can you can you can pull stuff like that and and, and get away with it i think if you really wanted to use the barrel girl yeah i i think so i think that there is you know and, and as always this is the common mantra that we do on the show is that you know there are exceptions to the rule at any time mm-hmm. right so feel free to Go, go wild with it if at any point you're like, this is dumb. D&D is built to get weird with. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I don't, I can't imagine playing D&D and having a monster have their, like, just their stock powers or whatever. Because, like, if you're playing with people who are experienced. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're going into something unknown and it's just like, well, I just know how to deal with a Gorgon. Like, that's kind of lame, yeah. you know? Yeah, it, it is. We're kind of in a weird, um, and I don't know how much necessarily you keep up with this sort of thing. We are... We are in kind of a weird uh, kind of like cultural moment as D&D goes, where it's almost like a, a nostalgic return to form. Right. So we have all of these things like uh, like critical role and stuff like that, where people are really willing to just sit down and play some D&D ass D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so we're in like a, a weird, almost like like Bioware compared to Obsidian kind of moment where people are more into playing classical Dungeons and Dragons than they are to see the weird Planescape stuff. Yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, that's a uh, that's definitely true. I think I think that uh, you know, I have seen a lot of evidence of that. Like, I know I'm familiar with Critical Role. Like, I watch like Matt Colville videos on mm-hmm. on YouTube and stuff. Um, so it is is neat to see, and it's interesting to see. You know, I have old coworkers who like last time I had like an office job, who are playing D and D. Um, but it's funny because they're not really like they'll ask me about it because they know that I play games and stuff and they're coming at it like they're playing, uh, you know, cranium or something like it is very rules focused. And yeah. it's interesting to see people who haven't kind of loosened up some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that there will be, you know, in the next 20 years, a really lovely space for tabletop RPGs. And this kind mm-hmm. of push away from the aggro wargaming kind of mindset and into more of a, to my mind, to my mind, somewhat more rewarding collaborative storytelling kind of thing. Yeah, together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. like, whatever, like I, I will sit down and I, part of the fun of D&D is making your build and I will always, you know, I, I've spent plenty of hours building the best <laughs> rogue I can build. So like there's fun for that as well. Uh, I just, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not always in the mood for fighting the orc camp yeah 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 the um you know and there's and there's definitely a space for that kind of classics you know cla- classicism there we go classicism mm-hmm. uh <laughs> to it like that can be fun you know and that can be kind of a throwback thing it's just interesting right. because the arc that everyone i've known has been like they kind of grow out of that uh, yeah and, yeah so yeah yeah it is it is an interesting cultural moment i agree yeah um yeah uh so big boy keeps trophies yeah, big boy keeps trophies. That is, yep, okay. It's we 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 got our Hulk. The Hulk keeps a trophy. That's that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I I kind of feel bad for the writer who had to over the course of the monster manual come up with a million different ways to say it's a big evil monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially with demons, like it's it's all just they are brutal and savage. These are cold and wicked. These are, it's... I honestly believe that's why it's front-loaded with, like, all the demon generalization stuff, and then for all the individual ones, they were like, ah, fuck it, this is what it looks like. It has this role, sort of, in society, and that's all I've got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, in the demon section, there's some interesting stuff, you know, where you can have, um, you know, the, the upward mobility of, mm-hmm. of demons is interesting, right? So, like... To me, that implies politics. That implies like the capacity for that is somebody's going to to want it, 
you know, so then maybe you have one of these things like they take a, you know, they're just taking a trophy and they end up taking like an artifact or something that gives them uh, additional power over their kin, which allows them to literally like digivolve into another type of demon, you know, exactly. which is yeah. pretty wild. Like they, they would literally just turn into another creature uh, yeah, if, they, just, if yeah. they got promoted, you know, and then yeah. maybe their, their boss, the demon Lord of monkeys. I don't know which demon Lord that would be, but they would, uh, <laughs> you know, they would encourage this up to a point, you know, like you, you could almost have some intrigue here if you, if you bent it a little bit. Yeah. I think that would be a cool way to spin it is what demon intrigue looks like. Cause the idea is, you know, they, these are these, chaotic kind of creatures it that stand in opposition to the lawfully minded devils which we've talked about how that is kind of a, a dumb split in DD stuff whatever mm. i think that that would be a fun like parody session of watching <laughs> these trophy gathering demons try to play at politics maybe right after you've had the party go through a real like heavy game of thrones kind of scenario oh sure it's, yeah like the idea of them being attempting to do that, but being too dumb to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a cool. very like poo slinging dirt power, just horrible version of Game of Thrones where nobody, <laughs> it's like all of the court meetings or whatever, are just people with knives <laughs> stabbing each other. It's just lots of flip tables. Yeah, all of the intelligent parts of court intrigue are gone, and it's all just the really shitty down to earth oh, bits. You mean season eight? got him yeah exactly that, that that kind of uh that kind of thing i think i think it could be interesting i think it could be fun and uh i don't know i <laughs> i think that there there is room i don't know how to phrase this i uh, it is interesting tonally how D campaigns can split because i can see this turning into like uh <laughs> jeff's sneering critique of contemporary society real quick oh. <laughs> uh, but like you know these are all all extraneous variables that you know who can say yeah 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 but yeah uh collects trophies we we learned that they're a little under eight feet tall uh thus thus resulting in the big ranger illusion they <laughs> weigh 650 pounds and they're very fast for their size so that's that's what we get uh we get the tidbit of lore and then we get baseball card statistics. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think uh, I think that's about all we can physically possibly do with the lore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, for this for this Balgura. Uh, if you if you're good to go, we can start talking about stat stuff real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good. I, I I've I've blown my load in so far as hooks. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know <laughs> that I have other cool lore things for these guys. Well, uh, it, it'll be fine. We'll pick it back up. We'll do. We'll yeah. enter the refractory period of statistical <laughs> stuff, and then uh, hopefully we can go for the round two in encounter design stuff. So mechanically, the Bulgara is a large fiend, capital L, capital F. It is chaotic, evil in alignment. Yep, that makes a sense. Uh, it is, it's got a challenge rating of five, so it's kind of set in that weird liminal space between early, early game in D&D 5e and middle game. So the, the general idea is that the challenge rating, uh, that number is the number that a party of about five people of that average level number would be challenged by. That was a dumb way to structure that sentence. <laughs> I do know what you meant. I, it came across, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I do think it came across. <laughs> so yes, so uh, it's a it's got a challenge rating of five. It's built to fight five level five adventurers. Mm -hmm. Twenty five levels of adventure. So because it's set in that weird liminal space between early game and middle game, this monster can be in some ways kind of a fun punching bag for the party's new stuff that they get the little the little level five treats that they get. So you know the wizard at this point is getting fireballs and fears and the big third level spells. Uh, and the fighters got their extra attacks and all sort of magical things like that. Uh, I think that in some ways this creature is mechanically designed to be kind of a punching bag in that regard, kind of there to uh, get slapped up by crazy new level five stuff. Yeah, like I, I can I can see that. Is, is there a place where and this is maybe me being ignorant just because I don't because uh, I don't play this edition? Um, do these do they travel alone? Like if you're doing challenge ratings and you have two of these guys, are you now looking at 
challenge rating yeah yeah so the way it kind of works and you know wizards of the coast they tried their best it doesn't really shake out this way in play but the idea is that yeah two cr5 monsters should equal a cr10 encounter it doesn't you know there are so many various variables it probably wouldn't be that challenging and in fact and this is purely anecdotal in actual play usually what we end up seeing is that you want to go fairly above the mm. the cr like you probably want to gun for a cr7 monster for a c for a level five party yeah yeah well i was just thinking like two of these guys you know you're talking about uh using your your third level spell third level spells like they have not great hp so even just group attacking you know if you bring in two of them hitting two of them with the same fireball is going to make a really big difference exactly you know, if you're, yeah. you know doing 5d6 to each of them that's gonna you know potentially take out a quarter you know their mm -hmm. hp like fairly easily uh just in yeah. one go yeah um yeah so uh yeah yeah they're definitely built to be a little bit squishy in that regard mm -hmm. i think i think that's a, a fair assessment mm -hmm. um and pursuant to that yeah yeah they have a very average armor class of 15 for their uh cr5 they have a pretty significantly below average hp of 68 which mm -hmm. is yeah it all kind of points to an encounter where uh the the party gets to use their fun new toys i think that on the whole these guys are designed to be kind of fast and hectic where the 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 Balgara will do its special ape stuff to get in really fast or use some of its special ape illusions to get in <laughs> uh, to some to some degree of surprise some degree of an ambush and then it's just you know or more or less the the value in this encounter is seeing this weird demon ape do a spell that you weren't expecting and then they die mm yeah yeah and part of a larger thing right like if you're encountering these guys at all you're encountering them within a context yeah where you're yeah in hell or you're fighting an outlier one that is you know roving the the planes looking to cause chaos and misery or whatever they they say demons are the only reason why they come to earth uh at absolutely this level. yeah um yeah so you know you're you're probably uh this is not designed to be like a you know a boss encounter or something that doesn't have you know, he's not a schemer. He's not a mastermind. He's not somebody you're trying to stop his plans. He's somebody you fight along the way or a demon who works for another demon that's higher up the, the pecking order, right? Exactly, exactly. I think that this is a good monster that can either establish demons or uh, kind of take revenge on a demon that's been harassing you for the first. So like if you've spent the first five levels of your campaign fighting demons that are kind of outclassing the party or, you know, in real death-defying encounters with big tough demons... This could be kind of the the way to reclaim some player confidence or kind of boost up that ego. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially with a, a group of players that maybe you've never really introduced demons to the campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the first yeah. demon they see at all. And then you're introducing them to all those general demon things for the first time, uh, yeah, exactly. which are kind of cool on their own, even if they're not specific to this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that this would be, you know, a good candidate for the, the warlock's accidental summoning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, starter demon yeah exactly demon light uh they have a pretty they have an average run speed of 30 feet they can move 30 feet in a turn they have a climb speed of 30 feet which just means that they can climb as fast as they run usually in 5e it costs an extra movement too so it costs it costs twice the movement to climb something as it does to just run what like a man does uh so yeah nothing you know just 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 ape stuff yeah mm -hmm. their attributes are pretty tame for a demon usually for these celestial kind of creatures we find that they attributes are crazy inflated like 20s and higher across the board yeah pretty much like all even moderately high cr celestials demons devils yeah in this case it's comparably tame we have uh high strength high constitution what you'd expect for a hulk we have bad intelligence bad charisma and then we have okay wisdom and dexterity mm -hmm. they uh, they get bonuses to their decks and their constitution saves Again, not necessarily. It's the it's the thing that keeps the Balgara dying immediately to a fireball, right? So as as Gary you mentioned, you could take out a big chunk of HP with that fancy new fireball that you got. Uh, the the bonuses to the decks and con saves that they have here means that the Balgara won't just die instantly to <laughs> one of these cool new spells and will instead last another turn or two. Um, on the other hand, the caster who picked Fear and all of the debuff spells, they're off to the races here because uh, their spells will mostly key off wisdom saves, which the Balgara 
has no bonuses in, or effectively nothing in. Which may give them a bit of false confidence about how to deal with demons in the long run, because things get a little on the iffy side with other demons. That is true, and uh, <laughs> I think this is the only, or at least one of the few demons we get in the book that don't have the magic-resistant thing mm. uh, that demons usually get, where which allows them to basically just shrug off spells like it's nothing. Uh, so, so yeah, I guess in, in a way, this is both a good starting demon and a very bad starting demon <laughs> to get you accustomed to fighting demons. Yeah, just as a not, not super great at, at training. You yeah, know. not, yeah. It, I can imagine it can be fun narratively and maybe, uh, maybe shortchange the party mechanically, but let's be real here. Who actually learned how to fight a monster and yeah who pays attention and even if they're doing it on purpose like if these things again they can be thralls to any demon that's higher up the the pecking order eventually a demon can be higher than this and maybe be smart enough to actually do that right like if you think of these things as uh in grander and this is a thousand steps down a road right but like let's say you have like an army facing these things you've Mm -hmm. got like a demonic invasion kind of climax like sending these guys against an army that has powerful wizards as a first move to saw like to over inflate their confidence seems like yeah. a demon prince like or a demon lord move to me as yeah. a thing because all their people are expendable uh they don't care and that would be almost kind of like a clever intersection of mechanics and narrative if your players are not the type who would feel cheated by such yeah i do think that is kind of an interesting idea yeah kind of using the bargara to subvert expectation uh rather than teach i think that yeah i think that would be cool and then also you know because the bargara is a little bit weaker than the average demon this could be a nice way to set up expectations for the dragon ball z style thing that happens five sessions down the road where the big powerful boss demon shows up and uh just squishes the bulgara it could yeah. be uh, you know a nice little yeah. power curve moment yeah that would definitely certainly work so yeah uh in terms of uh additional bonuses and whatnot it gets bonuses to its perception and its stealth skills making this a pretty good ambush monster in a way that is particularly supplemented by the spells that the Bargura gets. Boy, Bargura is just really hard to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like, we're going to beat up on those podcast boys, (laughs) uh, says Jeremy Parrish. Yeah, you can, I mean, you can call him whatever you want. Like, I think we, we, we all know what we're talking about. So if you want to give him a nickname or just call him, you know, like ape, bad ape, big ape, orange ape, you know, name him like a soda. (laughs) Like the orange ape. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's my cereal. favorite Mountain Dew flavor, orange ape. Yeah. Mm, orange ape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the bad ape, it's resistant to, which means it takes half damage from cold, fire, and lightning damage. And it has the common demon immunity to poison damage and the poisoned condition, which are obnoxiously two separate things. Mm. Um, this is, I guess, like, if the magic resistance thing is a bad way to train for demons in the future, you could just whip out the poison immunity as a way to show the players this is what a demon is. They're immune to poison. Uh, they have general resistances that are a little bit tougher than average. Uh, yeah, I think that if there was some way to telegraph the larger demon mechanical stuff with the Balgara, it would be to demonstrate the, the poison immunity presently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the only way I could think would be... the Problematically, the way it works is the only way I could think to do it would be add things, but then that would raise the CR, kind of removing the yeah the beginner yeah part of it <laughs> plus like it's a little bit outside the scope of the show to come up with encounters with everything we usually try to just do these monsters in a vacuum which oh yeah is variously helpful but mm, we can only do so much we're we're only mortal folk. yeah <laughs> yeah we're working with the material yeah someday if we run out of monster manual stuff we can go back through the monster manual and be like <laughs> this is how abelis is with era cochran's this is how and then just go down the line oh when we're 65 years old yeah exactly <laughs> that'll be tooth and nail for um, years that's uh so that we, we talked about them having the perception and stealth which i think plays into um you know the ambush thing with the next thing which is they have the blind sight yes um and uh dark vision yes and good passive perception. So they're they're hard to, you know, if you're in their lair, you know, if you're if you're retrieving a trophy or something that they took, um, that would yeah. be very hard to sneak through. So you could almost make these things um, as a and let me know if I'm doing the thing where I'm going outside of the, the, the encounter. I feel like this is on the page. <laughs> um, but if you're doing it as a stealth encounter or doing it as something for like a lone thief, it would be extremely challenging and could be a way to get your character into some real hot water. Uh, exactly you know because yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they are really good at uh at seeing 
and really good at not being seen weirdly enough yeah i i think you're right i think that is a good spin on it i think doing a a demon heist which i'm always down for a heist i Mm -hmm. throw demon on top of there and i'm double into it i think that uh yeah i I think that would be a, a fun adventure spin that leans into the one thing we know about bargeras which is that they have stuff if you if you put any D monster before heist i think it sounds pretty cool like even even like goblin heist is kind of all right my yeah. god i think you're right yeah i think you just solved the show <laughs> just, just heist it up. every encounter heist yeah, yeah. i think heist. yeah i think i think we'll just pack it up no uh <laughs> i think that uh i think that that is largely true yeah but yes you're you're right they're good guardians they're good ambushers uh because of the because they're apes i'm expecting like and because they're like hulking kind of big old monsters i'm expecting more of an ambush kind of thing honestly like and this is a category of monsters that we get to sometimes in the show i think that this is a good random encounter kind of thing where Hmm. you're you know what you're walking down the abyss the screen blurs you hear the fanfare and then a monster shows up and this is true of like we talked about this with uh Bolette and some other creatures down the line cyclopses every now and again we find a monster that is kind of just there to if the dm has nothing else like if it's been a writer's block for a week this is a demon you can whip out and be like oh this is old faithful this is my this is this will lead up two hours of time while i figure out what i'm gonna do with the rest of the session mm-hmm yeah, and yeah, it makes sense. Perfect sense for that. You yeah. have to have something to to show if you're if you're creeping through hell. Like that should definitely be hard, and you should run into things. Yeah. So yeah, as you as you mentioned, they speak the demon language. They speak abyssal. They have telepathy out of out to 120 feet, which I just now, when I took notes for this monster, I realized is a common demon trait. This is true for all demons. They all have telepathy out to 120 feet, and it is probably what allows them to mobilize and communicate into greater hordes. So, like, we're dealing with a creature that is, you know, anti-law, anti-structure, anti-establishment. This is probably their way to communicate across various forms, right? Mm. And I, I almost like that in that... So, I almost wish Abyssal wasn't a language, because I like <laughs> the idea of this creature that is so anti-structure, they don't even want to bother with creating the structure of a language. And consequently, they, like, magically evolved this telepathy in order to communicate between themselves. Yeah, that, that's really interesting, especially like if you if you did accidentally or on purpose summon one of these things. Yeah. You know, having to get that would be a really fun encounter or session where you have to communicate with something that doesn't speak your language and maybe it you know refuses to speak to you telepathically and yeah. language itself is is, you know, a bar of organization that's too high for it to to bother clearing. So you have to try to communicate to it using, you know, what you know, I don't know, charades. Uh, yeah, I guess just like <laughs> food me ranger you (laughs) yeah you'd say say food not me i think in this case you don't want to be food for 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 this guy but just kind of you know if you summon him to do like what a a barrel girl might do which would be to hunt something down you know or ambush something on the road like i'm exactly setting up little you know having a little table with little wood carvings of of uh, you know the the cart and the horses and the knights that you want to have ambushed yeah, have you. it would be it, it could be kind of cute it could be like a little D map within D D. yeah yeah where we've become meta as well we're taking D <laughs> to strange new places i yeah. roll performance to set up an encounter map for my barrel girl oh. <laughs> so in terms of their traits uh the kind of things innate to them the kind of special passive passive abilities that they get they have what is called innate spell casting where with a pretty low save dc of 13 pretty below average their magic isn't that strong they can cast a couple of illusion spell highlights basically so twice per day each they can cast disguise self and invisibility and disguise self is an interesting choice for, as we mentioned, uh, an interesting choice for a creature of this size. The idea is you put it on a, an illusion of another creature with your approximate shape, uh, but it only goes so far. You can only masquerade yourself as something like a foot below how you mm. are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously, you know, oh, I... Sorry, sorry. You know what is, would be interesting, right? Because like actual apes will uh, puff out their chest and like tr- try to appear oh. bigger. Yeah, you, know, you could almost disguise yourself as a bigger Barlgura. Yeah, as like yeah, behavior. yeah, and yeah, I I considered something like that where they could masquerade as a tougher or weaker kind of demon, 
in order to do some kind of shenanigans or be left alone, maybe to help guard their their places or uh, help ward off enemies or that kind of thing. I'm way down with just the big ranger idea, though. So yeah. now all of my other ideas have gone out the window. <laughs> Everything else, not as good. Turns out, yeah. that's the best one. Just, like, badly, like, like in Fallout, like, you know, Fallout character with two intelligence being like, no, I'm ranger. I'm yeah. ranger. Yeah. It me, ranger. Yeah. The, the best example of that that I can remember is in New Vegas, where... Uh, your dumb character is uh, constantly confused why anyone cares about Caesar's luncheon. And you're just, <laughs> just like constantly asking, like, I don't want to eat Caesar's luncheon. And people are like, no, no. Like, that is the best. Yeah. Boy, I, uh, and this is super tangential, but I hope Elder Worlds is really oh. well written. Like, I hope they bust out all the stops and really yeah. try to, you know, impress. Yeah. I have high hopes. Yeah. For, that, for sure. Nice. Um, but look, looking like another demon would be, you know, again, especially if it's at the direction of somebody else, like that's a cool idea. Um, you know, a demon, uh, a demon Lord might do something like that. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and we found this to be true in the greater demon lore as well, where demon Lords will just, you know, digi devolve their mm -hmm. demons into whatever they need for that particular moment, whether they need something bigger or smaller. Mm -hmm. uh, so I almost like, and, and this could be true for that, like playing at demon politics kind of thing where mm -hmm. there, it could almost be like a fun, like there's a joy to it for them. where like, you know, Tuesday, demon Jeff gets to be, gets to pretend to be the demon <laughs> Lord of our group. And he waves his hand at me and oh, now I'm pretending to turn into a smaller demon. And yeah. it almost like it could turn into like a fun, uh, like stage performance like this weird performance about demon culture writ large oh man yeah so yeah. like if the players don't know better they could just stumble upon this group of barlgaras playing at demon culture and kind of like charading what larger yeah. demon society is like for players that don't know better and like what if what if these uh the, that group of of Bar barlgara uh you know like it's because demons can be uh summoned was summoned mm. were summoned by a wizard you know back in the day and uh the wizard kind of uh enhanced them in this way where they they do these games and stuff and they're like oh you know we know something is missing like you have to they entreat the players like we're different you know break into the wizard's tower and you know destroy his doodad that uh keeps us this way and then the players do it and actually reverts them back into the bloodthirsty monsters that they've always been and they fucked it up you know <laughs> that yeah that is quite good that's also very futurama yeah <laughs> Yeah, Futurama is a great place for hooks for all things. So yeah, they are good, good folks. No, oh. um, um, so the other things they do are entangle and phantasmal force, right? Is yeah, yeah. So phantasmal yeah. force still one sense. Is that how it works in fifth edition, or is it changed? No, it's it's changed. Um, okay. So yeah, so so they get disguised out. They get invisibility. They don't really get the smarts to play around with it so much, but they don't really need to. Uh, if you throw on some different Futurama hooks. Uh, Phantasmal Force basically is like a, a low-tier illusion, so it's kind of like stage one of what the illusion wizard ultimately wants to do, where, you know, the the illusion wizard ultimately wants to go full Mysterio and kill people with illusions. This is like stage one of that, where you can create an illusion of bees and it can do damage, or an mm. illusion of fire and it can do minor damage. Um, it can also, you know, kind of work with senses. It's I, I think it's the first illusion where you can do that, like the the D&D &D thing where the illusion is real enough that people will sense it as though it is their real. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes. So Phantasmal Force is a 10 foot square illusion. Uh, it, it can deal damage. It can be used to throw on some extra damage onto the course of the fight. It can also provide the basis for some more Mysterio kind of stuff. It is, it is, again, and I want to, like, super reinforce this. It is so weird that the demon ape can just do this with no lore context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, it, it's odd. I was trying to think of a way that this could be used. Like, the only thing I can think is that the, it evolved in the abyss to be able to use this magic that somehow helps it defeat dinosaurs. Is all, <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, how does this help you beat dinosaurs? Is how I've been trying to look at the abilities. Well, I'm imagining... It's almost like a, I consider this as something like a hunting tool where like, you know, if it's a big pack of Barlgaras, they can use phantasmal force to kind of like illusion up difficult terrain or like rock faces and try to like bottleneck things into their ambushes, right? Kind of give the sense that there's nowhere for their prey to go. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, like that's, that's kind of my best case scenario. 
with for for a creature like this that doesn't really know better as is all i can do um the the other thing is entangle it just basically creates difficult terrain which makes it more difficult to moon move uh and restrains the the target the save dc is pretty low for all of these spells anyway so none of these things will work very reliably it again just kind of feels like this encounter hinges on seeing this weird candy colored ape come in and cast spells that you weren't expecting yep. and then as soon as they cast the spell the encounter is effectively done um if they do get in i like this reckless ability uh, yeah yeah back. so this is the the fun trait the special thing basically at the start of its turn the Balgara can choose to get advantage where you take the higher of two rolls on all of its melee attacks on that turn but attack rolls against it also have advantage until the next turn this feels pretty thematically appropriate it's like a big old hulk berserker kind of monster sounds right mm -hmm. uh conflated with the low hp and its crappy armor class this means that the fight against the Balgara probably is just going to be quick and brutal which is my preferred kind of D&D &D fight. I prefer them to be done and messy. So I'm into this trait. Feel free to be liberal with your your use of reckless. You don't like hour and 45 minute uh, thing where six <laughs> people go around a table waiting to take their turn uh, to miss. Oh yeah, no, that's the, uh... super That's super fun. Yeah. I love the yeah. the D&D &D equivalent of just tapping A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everyone's favorite part. Mm -hmm. yeah, th yeah, this is this is a cool ability. I like it because of that. And I like that it's... Um, so when you roll advantage, that's on two hit, uh, not on damage, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so they're not gonna they're not gonna absolutely just one shot people with this. They're not gonna just absolutely slay, but they're not gonna yeah. miss a lot either because you have this shock and awe thing, and it's really anticlimactic. Even if if an adversary you know jumps out of the shadows or like big rangers actually big ape uh, and strikes you and they just miss, like they do this ambush exactly. and it just oh no, you know I rolled a you know rolled a four, like it just didn't happen. Uh, yeah. That can be really, really disappointing. Exactly, um, exactly. Which is, it, it's the opposite of what I've mentioned before with other monsters like Basilisks and things like that, where the primary gimmick is that they put disadvantage on the on the party to some extent for an extended period of time. Uh, and then it just turns into a big miss mm -hmm. best. It turns yeah. into miss best and it's super boring. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. I mean, like I, I like d and I, I love my, you know, my memories and stuff of D&D. &D. One reason why I don't play it now is because of that, like, you know, lack of like a fail forward mechanic. Exactly. Like just, you know, so many things end up in the like a, a kind of black or white space between success and failure. And it, you know, depending on kind of your player's psychographic, it can feel really bad to waste a turn. Like some yeah. people are fine with it uh, and then just sit back and watch the rest of the story go on. And some people just feel like absolute dog shit. And, and yeah. I think that, you know, most people have a certain number of turns they're willing to waste, you know, before they start feeling bad. And uh, just by throwing so much into luck and having that swingy of a, of a dice, like a base dice. Uh, just really, really lends itself to maybe feeling feeling some bad feels from that. Exactly, exactly. Especially for like casters and whatnot, where a spell slot costs a lot in oh, the yeah. early game. Yeah, and especially when there's like a lot of players, like even yeah. six, five to six players. If your exactly. turn is the one wasted turn, it feels real bad. Yeah, yeah, because you only get like two of them. Yeah, and if you waste one, you're just sitting for half an hour while the sorcerer does their eleventh cool thing that turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, not, you know, not trying to turn this into a critique of the, the game system, but just, I like that this ability <laughs> affects two hits specifically, like, uh, exactly. action efficacy on both sides. Like, this is really clever. Like, it seems like something that is a threat for the monster, like makes the monster more tough. But honestly, this probably given the action economy, more roles are of the players are benefiting from this than yeah. the monster ever did. So this is actually a huge debuff, uh, in a lot of ways. And it's a, a clever one. Exactly, exactly. It is. It is very elegant. And it is also clever in that, you know, the, again, to my mind, the the value of an encounter with a Balgara is seeing it do some weird spell stuff. And then at that point, it's, you've seen pretty much everything. You've seen all the toys that the Balgara can take out of its toy box. Yeah. So you might as well get the fight over quickly, because then it's just D&D combat once they're done using their spells. Yep. 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 Uh, other than its long jump trick. Yeah, the long jump trick. It's 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 its flavor trait. This happens sometimes. The frog people got a big jump. Makes sense that the big ape people get a big jump as well. It's called running leap. The horizontal jump is extended to 40 feet. The vertical jump is extended to 20 feet if it has a running start. This mostly, like, if there's a mechanical application for this, it's just there for fun ambush stuff where the Balgara just Hulk jumps from super far away and it can also lead to some fun little bits of arena design where you can put up trees or gaps in order to showcase this mobility and have the Balgara 
ambush the players or trap the players in places where they can't move easily, but the big ape can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And just for coming off, like, essentially, you know, cinematically coming from off screen almost. Exactly. Yeah, it's a fun little, you know, it's Doom style. They jump into the camera, they roar, the camera zooms in close, and oh, damn, it's a demon. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the actions that it gets, it gets a three-part multi-attack where it can make a bite and two fist actions. And oh, boy, I love that it's called fist and not punch. (laughs) Like or I, slam. Yes, DM. I choose to take my sword action. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. very silly. Uh, both actions they have a plus seven to hit. The bite does a average eleven two d six plus four piercing damage. The fist does an okay one d ten plus four bludgeoning damage. All combined, the damage amount that the Balgra can do per turn is a little bit below average, which is fine because of the reckless thing. It'll hit pretty reliably because of the accuracy of its hits due to the reckless thing. So what do we do with this chap? It is built for sneaky ambushes. It's built, it's got the whole illusionary death pranks I can't really pass up. I mean, it's there. So I guess I'd like to see, you know, I think in its most ideal state, we want something approximating like a forest, uh, something where the Balgara can, it can showcase the climbing, the leaping thing it can do, it can make big cinematic entrance, it can uh, sneak in, it has plenty of cover to use its invisibility, and then also, you know, if it's a dense forest, I can also imagine using the illusions to help block off bits of area in between the trees in order to like geometry wars or what's the thing like with the lines in the pegs whatever <laughs> like, the thing uh, where it where it can block off uh the rest of the party using illusions and kind of corner them in specific places yeah i i, I would say that the most interesting like in terms of what the book kind of expects you to do encounter would to have him have his own kong moment yeah. just a very like uh predatory king kong yeah i mean you could do like because it i mean again this always this runs into alignment and intelligence which like every cool adventure like the things that kill adventure hooks but this would be very cool if you're in a jungle having this thing stalk you like its powers are really good for ambushes but it would also be great for hit and run stuff yeah like if it can leap you know it can leap away it can climb away like if it's if you're in you know near a cliff face or what have you and it just kind of goes faster and further than you can go after it's done a little bit of damage with its recklessness uh and then before it dies it gets away and then you are forced to continue traveling knowing this thing is out there uh yeah i don't i don't see like chaotic evil as being necessarily incompatible with like toying you know demon demons want to cause suffering yeah yeah i think you know and i'm sure we'll run into a thousand demons later on that are like they choose to torture their things (laughs) so i doubt wizards of the coast plays by that rule either honestly Mm -hmm. like i super doubt you're gonna have a player with the monster manual in front of them (laughs) rules lawyering or like lore lawyering your your campaign as you do it so if it sounds cool yeah have the have the bad ape do the sneaky things Mm -hmm. i i I wanna say this because i uh here it is are you ready yeah Yeah. you ready for it yeah borrow guerrilla warfare Ooh, that's that's where where i'm at that's That's, where i'm at right now (laughs) that's that's what we got after after an hour of fighting skype that's where we've landed uh yeah no that's 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 you're right you are correct that is that is a pun that is legally a pun (laughs) <laughs> legally you can't tell me i'm wrong if if you were doing that stalking thing too that would be a cool thing to happen on the way to uh if you're going to its lair to get back some kind of trophy or what have you exactly you know? yeah it could be a very fun kind of alien moment uh yeah. where yeah, yeah something's yeah, i think that, think that works others. it could just you know in a straight up fight like it we i think that we more or less covered like its capacities as a, as a straight up fight which is useful right like it, it's not yeah. you know without charm i think it just yeah. uh not you know, in in summation, reviewing this bad boy, right? Reviewing yeah. the the monster, like it's just kind of yeah. not quite like planny enough, you know, for yeah. for, for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, so. it's yeah, it it doesn't have the the chops in order to make use of the fun illusions that it has beyond just like entangling somebody and then oh no, there's an ape that's either hidden or not that could come at me. Mm-hmm. I got punched while entangled. Like yes, that does <laughs> suck. nobody is arguing that that's great you know but it's not that interesting it's the story of the century this is the one where i get punched while being entangled but yeah i i think that is i think that's about where i rest as well it could be cool and hectic and i like that it's quick quick i like that it's a quick fight i like that it could be a deadly fight 
Um, I would love some more lore details and context for the magic stuff that it gets. But I think, honestly, I wish there was more lore is probably going to be the refrain for the next three months of this show. Yeah, it, it certainly <laughs> feels like it. Well, it's disappointing because, you know, demons are very cool. Like, you know, yeah. don't, don't even need to say demons are cool. And like all the stuff that I love about demons are like cults summoning them yeah the human Um, element yeah faustian bargains like the where they interface with humanity and and when you have demons that are reduced to being essentially a soldier uh you know Mm. or a guardian or like a a shock and awe trooper but basically just a warrior um i just think you lose a lot of of the coolness of demons yeah it it becomes like a weird ecological thing where like like in a metroid kind of way the lore expand like the expanded lore necessitates ecological details that are disappointing within what you want to do with that thing yeah kind for of this exact reason so like when the... you want to do sorry no yeah i was just i was just sorry i was just saying like all kind of detrimental yeah yeah exactly where like you would want to do these high concept faustian bargains and dealing with these impossible things but because we need lore details you know the the singularity has become collapsed right we've collapsed into the singularity and the thing that could be full of mystery and intrigue and at least attached to a trope that we enjoy exploring has to be like collapsed like has to be has to be less than what it could be yeah in order to 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 serve a larger role within the the expanded lore yeah kind of kind of has to has to round down you know it has to to be rounded in in kind of a direction yeah yeah but this this strikes me like i imagine that you guys uh on this this uh, demon tour will run into several demons that are just kind of monsters Uh, yeah oh yeah yeah, this will be a lot of, you know, we're going to combine dretches and the next thing or whatever. Yeah, I, I imagine it's going to be a lot of this is, this is, we're scraping by. And then, then it kind of yeah. just becomes like, um, you know, if you want to play with it, if you want to stretch it into something more interesting, you know, the, the, the DM out there, just choose the one that you think looks cool. Or if something just appeals to you about this guy, you know, you just like the design of him. You know, you're like, hey, I'm yeah. into Orange Ape, like, go for it. Nothing will stop you from using, using Orange Ape, you know, but you probably have a, an array of choices of things that yeah. fulfill a similar if not identical mechanical kind of role uh yeah to things yeah i think that there are some mechanical expressions across the demons and i think that is the thing that will be the thing we latch on to over the next couple months is trying to come up with interesting arena design choices or encounter design choices to make the best of what you can do and possibly you know help to express what is special about demons in the mm-hmm. way that only the particular monster can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that's that's what I got about the bad ape. I have no further wrap up thoughts on bad ape. <laughs> that's good. The bad yeah. ape is concluded. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> close the book close on the, the book bad on ape. The bad ape. Thank you so much for listening to Tooth and Nail. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail. This probably weird sound an episode of Tooth and Nail, but an episode of Tooth and Nail nevertheless. One with a very special guest. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Gary, for coming on. I was I was super excited to have you. Um, and I I I still am super excited to have you. I'm just sad that it had to be the the bad ape. <laughs> that, that was the cause of our meeting. Like we made we made ape aid out of apes. You know, that's true. Like when life handed that's us true. oranges, we made orange aid. Like, yeah, I feel like we, we did an alright job with that. <laughs> it was it was very exactly. fun. I, I really appreciate uh, being on. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank you so much. Yeah. Sorry um, if I, I went too far outside the uh, the monster as as written. No, it's fine. Stuff. Like truth yeah. be told, like D and D is a game of improvisation. Like at mm-hmm. the end of the day, whatever you feel is cool is the best thing you can do because nobody's going to be reading over your shoulder anyway. So go with the cooler thing. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your your perspective on things. Absolutely. We'll always have Big Ranger. <laughs> yeah, we'll always have Big Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gary, is there anything you'd like to um like to to plug or uh tell us about? Yeah, yeah. It's like if you if you like this show, you might like uh Monster in My Podcast, uh which we Absolutely. do on, on our network. Uh different, you know, shorter, uh dumber than this. Uh <laughs> and so but just uh, in case that's appealing. And if you do end up deciding that you like that network um, and you happen to live in the Pacific Northwest, uh, coming out, we're throwing a festival on August 31st. 
at the Clinton Street Theater called Duckfest, and we're doing a full day of podcast uh, ourselves and some guests uh, for $15. will be a really good time. So if you live in Portland or the surrounding areas, uh, I recommend coming. And uh, you can go to duckfeed.tv slash duckfest for any and all information about that. Absolutely. Listen, listen to Monster My Podcast. It's a treat. It does, uh, it does the thing we love to do, which is make fun of uh, old D&D designs. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. We, we've, we've moved on to different, uh, different monster manuals from different games, but D&D is definitely in our future. I think after we finish the Malleus uh, Monstrorum, uh, we might do Planescape. So mm, that'll be a good time. Yeah. yeah. Get into like, uh, oh, get into sigil and stuff. Yeah. 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 Get the Zerai month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll be fun. No, old, <laughs> very Julie. That's a very yeah. Julie future. <laughs> yep. If you, if you enjoyed this episode of Tooth and Nail, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you may have listened to it. Just closing it out as we always do with our creature comfort. What is a good creature comfort for today? Oh man, my my heart says take a trip to some exotic jungle somewhere. <laughs> just take a vacation. Yeah. Just take care of yourself. <laughs> Fight a dinosaur. Watch out for dinosaurs and big bad apes. Yeah, I guess so. Get a get a lip piercing. 